0: but it doesn't have to be complicated. Welcome back to Uncomplicating Weight Loss. Today, I'm going to be busting the 10 most common myths when it comes to food and nutrition. I'm sure you've heard all, if not most of them, considering how much inaccurate fuckery is out there being circulated. There are so many reasons why nutrition myths in particular are perpetuated, and I found that a lot of the time it's it's that nutrition messaging either gets overstated or things just somehow get lost in interpretation, and then of course there are just a lot of unqualified people giving really bad advice, even if they mean well. I know I mentioned this in the mental health episode, and it applies here too when it comes to your food and nutrition. Number one, just because it works for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for you. We're all bio-individual, right? Often, people will approach nutrition from their own personal experiences, preferences, tastes, values, accessibility, and convenience. Number two, more importantly... I caution you to not take advice from people who are not credentialed or qualified. And this goes for anything, really. People mean well, right? But they can also inadvertently fuck you up with misinformation and guiding you down the wrong road. So just always keep that in mind. I I say that about everything, but particularly when it comes to food, nutrition, exercise, there's just so much out there. And a lot of it is wrong. A lot of it is inaccurate. A lot of it is incorrect. So that's really the reason why I wanted to do this episode so that we can just address them head on, right? So let's just dive right in and separate fact from fiction. Myth number one, carbohydrates cause weight gain. The fact is no one nutrient or food causes weight gain. That is just the fact. Weight gain is complex and it can't be attributed to just one thing. In general, weight gain comes when we consume more calories than what our body needs to maintain its body weight. But there are a lot of other factors that cause weight gain besides calories. Carbs are not to blame for weight gain. A proper healthy diet actually includes many foods with carbohydrates in them. In fact, carbohydrates are our body's preferred source of energy. But we do need to consider the makeup of the carbohydrate. It's important to choose carbs that have fiber, vitamins, and minerals. Complex carbs with fiber digest and absorb more slowly than simple carbs, so our blood sugar responses to these carbs is just different. The bottom line? Choose high-quality carbohydrates such as fruits, vegetables, beans, lentils, and whole grains. Myth number two, eating whole eggs is unhealthy. The fact is, eggs can actually be part of a healthy diet. The concern around eating whole eggs stems from the cholesterol content in the egg yolk. However, what affects our blood cholesterol the most is the saturated fat that we eat, not the dietary cholesterol. In fact, the American Heart Association states that six to seven whole eggs per week can be a part of a healthy diet. And egg yolks also contain protein, vitamins, and minerals. Now, if you're allergic to or intolerant to eggs, that's a whole different story, obviously. So it's important that you do your due diligence. And if you don't know what you're allergic or intolerant to, Please go see your doctor. Ask for a full panel blood work, and it's really, really simple. Sometimes they'll do skin tests, sometimes they'll do hair tests. It's just really important to always know what's going on in your body. I know so many people hate going to the doctor. They don't have time to go to the doctor, but they have absolutely no idea what's going on with their body. And then they're like, I don't know why I'm always sick. I don't know why this hurts. I don't know why this makes me feel weird when I eat it. So that's one of the most important things you can do when it comes to your health, when it comes to your weight loss journey, when it comes to self-care is making sure that you know what's going on in your body at all times. You only have to go to the doctor for a physical once a year. If you've never gotten your blood work and done full lab panels, just get it done. When it comes to your health, knowledge is power and being preventative is much better than finding out down the road that there was something you could have done or that there was some food in your diet that was particularly making you sick and you didn't even realize it. And then it's going to be a lot more costly and time consuming to heal. So that's that's just really important when it comes to taking amazing care of yourself is just knowing what's going on in your body. I mean, personally, I don't like eggs. I think they taste weird and they smell weird, but um. But that's just my personal preference. I've, I've mentioned this before. I have a very strange and, and picky palate. So even when I'm working with clients, it's like, I don't necessarily eat this, but it's not unhealthy, right? So eggs are not unhealthy. That is the bottom line. Myth number three, any food that has gluten is unhealthy. The fact is that only some people need to have a gluten-free diet. I know it's mad trendy to be gluten-free, but the truth is, if you're a person that doesn't have celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity, foods with gluten can be a part of an overall healthy diet. If you're unsure about whether you're gluten sensitive or not, again go see your doctor. Don't just assume, you know, based on whatever you Googled or whatever your friend told you, because they are gluten-free, that you should automatically be gluten-free as well. Only a credentialed healthcare professional is able to diagnose these conditions. But I know so many people who have jumped on the gluten-free bandwagon thinking it's going to make them skinny. FYI, it's not. What exactly is gluten? So gluten is a group of proteins in cereal grains like wheat, rye, barley, and many nutrient-dense foods contain gluten, including whole wheat products like bread and pasta, whole grains like wheat berries, farro, kamut. So the key here when looking for healthier choices is that you just want to try to choose whole grains over refined grains. Myth number four, a vegetarian diet does not provide enough protein. The fact is, Many vegetarian foods have protein, and well-planned vegetarian and vegan diets can be adequate and meet your protein needs. Some examples of plant-based protein sources include beans, lentils, soy products like tofu, edamame, tempeh, nuts, and seeds. Some vegetarians also eat eggs and dairy products which, as we mentioned earlier, have protein. Keep in mind, vegetarian diets are not all the same. They should be carefully planned and include sources of protein at each meal and snack. So I have a client who discovered that she'd be much happier if she transitioned to a vegetarian diet based on her food journal and the way that certain foods made her feel. She was really concerned about being able to get enough protein if she switched to more plant-based vegetarian eating, especially since she's also doing strength training. So what I did was I created a custom meal plan specifically to help her transition to a more plant-based diet and ensuring that in her meal plan, she was getting the proper amounts of protein. So that's why it's really important that you're working with someone who has these tools and modalities at their disposal that can help you if you want to transition or if you want to try something new and you're not just, you know, finding some meal plan or something off of Pinterest. I think that the biggest takeaway here is that it just takes a little bit more planning if you want to be vegan or vegetarian or move towards a more plant-based diet, but it's definitely not impossible to get the adequate amounts of protein. Myth number five, you should only eat at certain times. The fact is there is no timing for eating that works for everyone. And I went over this in episode five about intermittent fasting. And I say this all the time. It ain't for everybody. No diet, no protocol, no plan will work for every body. Some people benefit from scheduling their meals and snacks. Other people benefit from eating based on their hunger cues. But in general, creating strict rules about when you can and can't eat can be a really slippery slope because these rules can be really hard to follow in certain situations. And then they can make you feel restricted, which can then lead to feeling like a failure if you, quote, break the rules. Personally, the only time I recommend my clients avoid eating is right before bed, mainly because it can cause discomfort and it can disrupt your sleep. And sleeping is really important, not only for your overall health, but particularly if you're trying to lose weight. Myth number six, snacking is unhealthy. The fact is snacking can be healthy, even if weight loss is your goal. A well-balanced meal with carbs, protein, and fat should keep you full for an average of about four hours, but this also depends on a lot of things, right? The size of your meal, your hunger scale, et cetera. But in general, most people have a much greater time window than four-ish hours in between meals. just depends on you, right? We're all bio-individual. When it comes to snacking, the type and the composition of the snack is really important though. So when you think about a well-balanced snack, it might include a source of protein and also a fruit or vegetable. Examples include apple slices with a nut butter, hard-boiled eggs with berries, roasted edamame and carrot sticks, or maybe hummus and celery sticks. On the other hand, if you're snacking on foods like pretzels, that's mostly carbohydrates. And it's going to be digested and absorbed quickly, which may result in either getting hungry soon after or overeating later. This is why it's really important to have a balanced snack with protein and fiber because you'll digest and absorb it more slowly and it's going to keep you full longer. Another good reason a snack is that a lot of people have a hard time fitting in enough fruits and vegetables into their meal times, So snacks are an easy way to get your additional servings in. As I mentioned in the last episode, snacking can also play a really important role in your pre- and post-workout. Snacking can also help curb your hunger while providing you the fuel that you need so that you have enough energy throughout the day. One thing to keep in mind, though, is that if you're a grazer, meaning you snack a lot throughout the day or like every time you walk past the kitchen, you grab something, right? That can sometimes throw off your hunger cues. So just be careful that you're not mindlessly snacking if you're not actually hungry. Myth number seven, juicing or cleansing is required to detox your body. The fact is our body has natural mechanisms to detox if you're doing the right things. Cleanses claim that they detox the body help with weight loss, improve skin health. But truly, there is no one food or regimented diet that can deliver on these promises. That is just the fact. Also, some cleanses and diets and supplements can be really harmful. For example, some supplements may interfere with your prescription medications. So you want to make sure that you talk to your doctor or a registered dietitian before taking any supplements, following diets, or trying to do some sort of cleanse. Be very mindful about what you see on Instagram or Pinterest, you know, these these 10 day detox challenges, just be aware that it's probably bullshit. And please don't fall for the flat tummy tea bullshit that these goddamn influencers are always touting on Instagram. Don't do it. Just don't, please. The most natural way to detox your body, honestly, is going to be drinking enough water. And if you want to kick it up a notch, drink lemon water first thing in the morning, and that will really jumpstart your entire digestive system. It'll detox you. And it's natural. The best and holistic way of eating for natural detoxification is a diet that's rich in vegetables, fruit, legumes, legumes. Here we go again with the words I can't say. Legumes, legumes, Um, whole grains and lean protein. Myth number eight, vitamin C prevents colds. The fact is, vitamin C does not prevent colds, but some studies do show that it can shorten the duration of the common cold. So to help shorten the duration of a cold, you should be consuming adequate amounts of vitamin C daily, not just when you get a cold, just always getting enough vitamin C will keep your immune system functioning at its optimal levels. The best way to do this is to eat a diet containing vitamin C-rich foods. Here's something that a lot of people may not know. Vitamin C is actually only found in plant foods. So fruits that are rich in vitamin C include citrus fruits like oranges, grapefruit, lemons, limes, berries, melon, kiwi, pineapple, and papaya. Vegetables that are rich in vitamin C include peppers and cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts. Supplements also contain vitamin C. However, it is better to get your vitamin C through foods because then you also get the vitamins and minerals as well as the fiber in those plant foods. I mentioned this a little bit ago, but I highly recommend drinking lemon water first thing in the morning. There's so many benefits, including improving your skin and digestion and aiding in your weight loss. Again, detoxification. Plus, you start your day with a really nice dose of vitamin C first thing in the morning. It is an acquired taste, right? It doesn't taste like lemonade. It tastes like sour ass water but it's really good for you and you'll get used to the taste after a while. So I squeeze either half a lemon or a whole lemon into 16 ounces of water. And that is first thing in the morning after I brush my teeth and it'll get you right. I promise. Myth number nine, frozen fruits and vegetables are not as healthy as fresh ones. The fact is frozen produce is just as nutritious as fresh produce. Frozen fruits and vegetables are actually frozen at their peak ripeness to help maintain their freshness for longer. The main thing here is to look for frozen fruits and vegetables without any additional ingredients, specifically without any added salt or sugar. You can add your own seasonings during or after cooking. Frozen products have a different texture than fresh produce, obviously, so they may become soft or mushy from some cooking methods. So you want to try different methods of cooking your frozen fruits and vegetables, including steaming or blanching in order to maintain the firm texture of these frozen fruits and vegetables. Frozen produce are also really great for smoothies and smoothie bowls. You can also freeze your own fruits and vegetables. I actually do this a lot to prevent them from going bad. One quick tip is to steam or blanch your produce before storing in freezer-safe bags or containers. And the last myth we're gonna cover today, myth number 10, is mixing different foods in one meal is bad for your digestion. This is also called food combining. The fact is, there is no evidence to support one way of food combining that works for everyone. The human body is capable of digesting different food groups with various macronutrient compositions all at once. The body actually produces enzymes at different points in your digestion to digest different components of a meal. And the small intestine is the main site for your carbohydrate digestion. So I think a lot of times people, again, in this overcomplicating of food and nutrition and weight loss, people get these theories that you can only eat certain groups of food and you can't mix them, you can't combine them. Otherwise, your body doesn't know what to do. That's just not true. I think part of this theory comes from your body doesn't always know how to digest certain things. The truth is your body doesn't know how to digest artificial man-made things. And that's what sometimes causes these issues internally, right? But the idea that you can't eat certain food groups together, otherwise you confuse your digestive system. That's the part that gets convoluted and conflated with your body doesn't know what to do with artificial things. And This whole theory that you can only eat certain food groups together, I think that's where it comes from, but that's just not true. And also keep in mind, since we're all bio-individual, everyone's digestive process is unique. So you really need to find the best foods that work for you and that make you feel the best. The easiest way to do this is keeping a food journal. I know, I know, it sounds tedious and obnoxious, but seriously, just try it. This will force you to become aware and conscious of what you're putting in your mouth and how your body is responding. It doesn't have to be complicated. Just write down what you ate and how you felt afterwards every day for at least two weeks. Longer is ideal, but if you can just commit to two weeks, start there. We can start with baby steps. That's how you're going to figure out which foods agree with you and which ones don't. Otherwise, you find yourself guessing and you'll never be able to really correlate which food make you feel a certain way, which foods give you a stomach ache, give you a headache, make you feel groggy, give you brain fog. You can't really guess your way through that. You really need to write it down and take a good look at it. And then you want to analyze the trends, right? This is all data. Let me tell you about one of my clients. So she suffered from chronic migraines and brain fog. By journaling. We realized that her migraines were being caused by very specific foods that she would eat throughout the week. And her brain fog actually started to clear up when she started to consistently drink 80 ounces of water every day. And that was what her body needed. And we didn't realize any of this until we started her food journal. Before that, she had no idea. She spent years thinking that this is just the way life was supposed to be. Constant headaches and brain fog. That was just her reality. And she would have kept believing that if she wouldn't have trusted my process when it comes to food journaling and trusted her body enough to actually start listening to it. Your body never lies, and your body always knows exactly what it needs. We just don't always listen. So, first, it might whisper. But if you don't listen and you don't give it the attention that it needs, eventually it's going to throw a fucking temper tantrum in the form of pain, illness and disease, also known as dis-ease. So listen to your body and don't fall for these food myths or gimmicks or anything that sounds too good to be true. Being healthy and losing weight is truly not that complicated, but it does require effort. Self awareness and intention. If you have any questions, click the submit a question link in my show notes and I'll answer them in a future episode. I'm here to help. I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning in this week and trusting that none of this has to be complicated. At the end of the day, I want you to feel empowered to know that you can have the health, the body, and the life that you desire. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and tag me on Instagram while listening at It's Eva Rodriguez so that I can support you along your journey. I'll talk to you next week.